Hello, Annie Trenders. Welcome to the Girl Taku, hosted by the ladies of anime trending. If you're looking for nice tea and deep dive analysis about otaku things, you've come to the right place. We love our conversation discussion, and we're back with another fun topic on the table. My name is Gracie, and I am joined by. Hello, I am Isabel, and this is Agnes. So, without further ado, the girl talker today will be about anime opinions that we've changed on. So, for example, uh, I, you know, as someone who has lived quite uh, a chunk of her years per se, not a lot. I'm not as old as I like to complain I am. But with that being said, you do go through opinion changes as you get older and you go through life. And so sometimes maybe you've watched an anime that you didn't like at the time, but you know, as years or even months have gone by, and you thought. About it, you change your mind. You decide that hey, actually, I do kind of like the anime, and that works vice versa. You know, sometimes there was a character you absolutely loved and adored, but then as you get older and you think back to it, you're like, you know what? I don't actually like the character and what they did with the character per se. So today we are talking about specifically anime opinions that we have changed our minds on. We've gone from one end to the other, and once again, as you know, evident by the topic itself, these are opinions. These are not facts per se, and that's what makes this topic really fun. So with that being said, Isabel, you are starting us off this week. So what are some anime opinions that you have personally changed on versus like the first time you've had a different opinion? Yeah. So the first one that I'd like to talk about that I recently changed my opinion on is Kakuya-sama: Love Is War. Oh, okay. Because I spoke about that in our previous uh, "What Anime We Think Are Overrated" podcast. Mm-hmm. And yes. I thought it was overrated just because when I was watching the first season, I couldn't really connect with the characters, and I think, and I think I attributed that since I'm older than them now. Whereas if I had seen this in middle school or high school, I think I would have been able to obviously connect more with the characters. But I made my way through it, and I caught up, and I even saw the movie um, this week. Uh, wow! Uh-huh. I think it's called. The, the first kiss never ends. Mm-hmm. And so I found that movie to be really cute. It was, it was like an hour and a half and, um, you know, based off the whole series and then also kind of this continuing, you know, season three and seeing where our characters are now. And obviously, finally, Kaguya and Shirogane kind of finally getting it together. I thought it was super cute. Um, and the, the, the reason why I didn't like it at first or thought it was overrated was because I thought there wasn't enough continuity in the first season just because we weren't really introduced to the characters as I thought we would in like other shoujo anime that I might see. And, but I think I realized as like I saw season two and then season three, just kind of these little moments that the characters have with each other um, can be really silly, but they also build on each other. So I was happy that at least, even though each episode was like divided into three parts, um, which kind of was a little jarring for me just because it was like, oh, we're in this stage, but now we have something else that's coming up. Um, I became more appreciative of it just because I could know like, okay, we're at like, you know, the 10 minute mark in the episode or something and something's going to change, um, but we'll get back to it. Or there's like a part two. Uh, so you see a lot of those. And I also just ended up liking one of the characters. I really like Ishigami as a character. Mm, I thought yeah. he's super mm-hmm. silly. And his arc in season two, um, 
yeah, really got to me. And I was like, oh, he's 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 a character that I like. So I think that helped as well uh, for me, liking the liking the cast and then um, changing my opinion, obviously, about the anime. But um, yeah, that's one I didn't expect to change. I thought I would drop it more. But I think as I kept watching it, um, I was still able to get in that mindset of like, okay, I know what the characters are like. And another thing that I also like is between uh, Fujiura, Fujiwara and Shirogane, just kind of Shirogane proving that he can be better than he is, but or thinking that he's talented at something when he's really not. And she's always <laughs> trying to teach him something new, and it's always it's always a struggle. But I I I really find that that's probably like one of the highlights for me. Uh, whenever you know this reoccurring theme comes up, I'm I'm always uh, excited to see exactly what's going to happen, or just kind of like the silly stuff that's going to happen, or just her going, "You lied to me," and but she still teaches him, which is amazing. You know, your comment about first season being kind of difficult for you to get through, or at least definitely that was a season that made you feel like the series was overhyped. That is not as unpopular of an opinion as you think. And I say that because while I do think the vast majority of the anime community really loves Kaguya-sama, in regards to, you know, just people I talk to on a personal level, I've heard many, many times people who have struggled with getting through the first season or even finishing it for that matter. They, some of them actually wasn't able to finish it because they felt like it was going nowhere and they felt like everything was too disjointed, which, uh, which I I thought was interesting because I actually didn't have trouble getting to Kaguya-sama at all. I did think at the very beginning it was a little slow for me, as in, like, also I felt disjointed. But as the series had gone on in the first season, I was quickly on board. So I was I really liked it by the end of the first season. But hearing you talk about how the first season kind of, like, pushed you away, I guess, or definitely not made you as invested as, you know, the the uh, the sequels did. I'm, I'm, it's not as unpopular as you would think it is. There's at least on a personal level, there, I've definitely heard friends who have said that first season was a slog to get through. So, <laughs> but yeah, so I'm, I, I'm really surprised that you changed your mind so uh, quickly because I don't think it was even that long ago that we did the episode where you talked about how you didn't really get the hype of Kaguya-sama. When did you finish the second and the third season? Literally like last week, uh, just because I wanted to see the movie. So oh. maybe this week. <laughs> So I had to catch up on it. Um, Okay. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know if speed running through it was a good idea or like watching (laughs) so many episodes at once. But I mean, that's kind of nice, though. Usually if I try to watch that many episodes and I really don't like the show, then I probably would drop it and I wouldn't touch it for like years. So I think the fact that I was able to keep going through it was was kind of nice, actually. Okay. I I, now I'm really curious since um. Why did you want to watch the movie if you weren't really into the first season? You hadn't watched the sequel seasons. <laughs> As a procrastinator, I think that's kind of like the deadlines I set. Mostly <laughs> because my boyfriend wanted to see the movie. And he was like, he was uh, like. It's the ultimatum. Yeah, he was like, are you going to be mad at me? Like if I go to Valentine's, like if I use Valentine's Day to go watch Kaguya-sama. And I was like, I'm going to be mad if you go without me. And then at that point, I was like, I have to actually finish this series now because it doesn't make sense for me to go watch the movie without it. 
Yeah, no, I, I'm not surprised that Ishigami's character arc got you. I mean, he won Best Boy of the Year that, that season that he, um, his arc came through. But, I mean, it's also telling, I think, when it's, like, the voice actresses for... So, Aoi Koga, who, voice, uh, who voices Kaguya, and, ah, oh, man, I forgot, Chika Fujiwara's voice actress. Uh, but the, both of their respective voice actresses actually said that their favorite part of the second season had nothing to do with them, personally, like, their characters or even their voicing. It's literally Ishigami's arc so um that was definitely a very powerful arc that I felt like you know changed a lot of things for people so yeah okay well I find that really interesting that you changed your mind on Kaguya-sama not that I am complaining in that regard as someone who loves Kaguya-sama so um if that is your first anime opinion that's changed what is your second one yeah my second one is Attack on Titan uh that was kind of like over the years I actually really didn't like season one, and also, obviously, season one, Aaron. I absolutely hated him for him just, like, shouting throughout the first season and things like that. So I was really surprised that I even kept watching the show. Um, because when I first saw it, when Attack on Titan first came out, I th- I was actually terrified of the Titans. Like, I thought they were kind of scary-looking to me, uh, just kind of like their big bodies and um, the way the way that they're drawn and things like that, which... It just, uh, like, I remember watching it and my stomach was, like, churning just because I felt very uncomfortable watching it. And then not only that, like, the first episode, you know, Aaron obviously sees his mother dying and things like that. And that was something I didn't expect, you know, for a first episode. And to start off the series, it's like, oh, this series is going to be pretty bloody and things like that. But I think because of the hype behind it, you know, I kept watching it. But then I also was like, I I don't really like this show as much as other people do, I feel like. And then I think, but then the curiosity, I feel like wondering, you know, what's going to happen and just kind of like that feeling of what's going to happen to the town and these characters made me, you know, stay in the show. And I think that that obviously was a great choice just because I was able to continue it throughout. Um, Because I think it's different when you're watching Attack on Titan weekly versus something that maybe you were introduced to like later on, like if you saw it like your friend recommended to you. And at that point it was complete uh, because I know that when, when I was in college, um, I know that uh, one of my classmates, he, he was like, he's not an anime watcher, but he was, he was like, I know that I really like this one show that just got, it's just like gripped me and things like that. And I was like, you're talking about Attack on Titan. There's nothing else you could be talking about. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I was really happy that I was able to identify that for him, but I think for him it was a different experience because he could just kind of binge watch it and see through that. And maybe also, it might be just his type of show, right, with the intensity mm-hmm. and things like that. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it's interesting that he was able to get into that. So for me, I didn't really like the first season, but as the story built, kept building and just kind of having this like rising action of plot, like they kind of win a battle or things like that or... um you know, take back one of the walls, I think it was uh, one of the walls. And when they took that back, you know, it felt like a victory, but in a victory, like for what, right? There's still a threat out there. And so that buildup really um, helped me continue throughout the series. And then, and then I ended up liking Aaron a lot more too. <laughs> at wow. So yes. Do I still like him now? That That's something we can debate. <laughs> But, uh, Are we going to ask yeah. the Twitter question? Is genocide okay? <laughs> I, don't, 
I like Aaron now as a character just because I think we'll probably talk about this in the MBTI episode. But yeah, I just I thought of him in the latest season as some. Obviously, he's scary now, but before I I kind of like where he was going in his mindset because I think in in a sense he hasn't changed um, since then. But I don't know. We'll have to see more about that. Um, right? What did you guys think? Did you also guys? Did you also like Attack on Titan season one, or did you change opinions? off of that i feel like you could go back and forth with the show agnes you can go first <laughs> oh okay um for me i spoke about this in the last podcast too that season two was not my favorite and so i think i i had a lot of hype going into attack on titan because i read the manga first mm-hmm. so i was expecting everything in season one i really like season one and then season two hit and I was already at that point in the manga where I wasn't reading the contents of season two. So when I was watching season two, I was like, this is really slow. I don't really like it that much. And then I kind of like stopped afterwards. And then when um, the third season came out, I didn't watch it at all until I kept hearing Gracie. And then I have another friend, um, a different friend of mine who was really into Attack on Titan. And they were like, you got to watch the third season. And so eventually I watched the third season and I'm like, okay, I can get behind this. <laughs> um, so I think for me... My opinions have changed over the years with Attack on Titan, but it's similar where you have to watch it as a marathon rather than season by season by season, or even like weekly by weekly, because I feel like my emotions changed like halfway through the series. So that's just my input. What about you, Gracie? So for me, I actually didn't care for season one or two for that matter. I did not, and don't kill me for this, I didn't watch the full seasons or seasons one and two. I basically picked and choose, chose episodes that I found to be more interesting, aka when Levi entered the scene. Oh, and okay. so uh, to watch per se, but I knew everything that happened because a tendency that I will do is that even if I don't watch a very popular anime, I will still read up on it just so I am in the know about what happened and why people like it per se. But the idea of just uh, hunting big giant monsters who can devour you, that's not a thing I find to be really interesting. And because of that, I really didn't care about the training arc, the whole like when the Titans attacked and they like, you know, broke the wall, like all that stuff was just sort of boring to me. And um, even the part where the mom gets eaten, I'm just like, eh, okay. Because <laughs> it's like, you know, it's not like the first, it's not like the worst thing we've seen in anime, to be completely honest. So, uh, so I, so I basically just kind of skipped back and forth between the first season, and the second season in regards to specific episodes I was interested in. But in the meantime, I was keeping track of overall summaries of what was happening in the story. I'm not like manga chapters, just literal like wiki summaries sort of thing. And um, at that, around the time of the second season, Attack on Titans um, source material was around the third season area. And that summary really, really caught my eye. And that that was like the only specific part of the summary that caught my eye and it was because of the fact that suddenly politics was involved and suddenly the questions of society is involved and i and then there was like moral ambiguity with the fact that hey these titans might very much be humans and that immediately is what finally caught my attention because before that i just am not interested in something where it's just monsters versus humans like i just don't find that to be a particularly riveting sort of story i like morally great stuff and so um 
So season three, I watched and I knew I was going to love it. And I did absolutely love it. And so it was basically along my expectations. And then I didn't bother watching season four again because of the fact that I was still reading the summaries. And when I had read the summaries, it was like the stuff that was happening in season four. I didn't really find myself invested in it. And so I ended up just like not like looking or checking out season four either. So my my emotions towards Attack on Titan is a little more detached per se. Like I know a lot of the stuff that happened happens but I just there's only one section of the story that I really cared about and then the other parts of the stories I was just very mad about so yeah (laughs) oh I see okay yeah I do have a question for you Isabel because you know you started off saying like you know you weren't into Attack on Titan at all in the first season and you really just held on because there was a lot of hype and so you wanted to see and continue like you know if the hype was ever going to get like paid back around when would you say that it 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 actually started to feel interesting to you because it sounded like it wasn't the first season. So is it sometime in the second season then? Right. Something closer to the second season. And I'm trying to think of exactly which point, but I think probably when they were, I don't know if this is in the first season, actually, maybe later in the first season when they're kind of protecting Eren or Eren, we realize that Eren is a Titan and they have that whole, um, kind of operation the uh, second core of the first season okay. okay that's probably it yeah so i think that's when it changed like they're actually i think i like the fact that they're kind of like pushing their boundaries and taking a lot of risks mm. and, and like you said levi comes into the scene a lot more maybe that also <laughs> worked out <laughs> for me um yeah so that that definitely kept me watching the show um and obviously i care a lot more about what's going on and so now and and so since there's so many years that from part one or part two comes out or seasons like I've forgotten a lot of it and I think it's a good time for me to go back and read at this point um, instead of watch probably just because I want to know everything leading up to the end Um, but yeah I don't know when I will do that but yeah that's it's like it's a a little bit different for me even now that I actually care about what's kind of like the politics behind it because I Mm -hmm. think the first time watching and weekly watching it wasn't really clicking with me and not to mention there's a lot of things that I probably missed um the first time around Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah that makes sense okay yeah I was just curious like what was the turning point in that case but that makes sense as to where you said it was uh Mm -hmm. already then so with that being said um I think it is time for your turn Agnes so Agnes really curious to hear you know I I feel like you've said before your opinions don't really change that easily simply because if something doesn't interest you or you have a bad feeling about it you straight up just ignore it you know so uh so I am curious to hear you know what are some of your anime opinions that have changed throughout the years as you've you know kind of distanced yourself from it or just thought about it a little more for sure, yeah. So this was a difficult topic for me to research <laughs> as a result. I was scrolling through these names and I'm like, I either know the title because I've seen it so much around the internet. Either I partially watched this show or I avoided the show altogether. So mm-hmm. you are correct in that this this still stands for me, unfortunately. Um, but the one show that I want to highlight that kind of changed over the years, mainly because there was such a huge gap between season one and season two, would be Log Horizon. Oh, um, okay. I want to say that my feelings have changed for Log Horizon simply because of that gap between season one and season two, but also because of the wave in popularity of like MMO-styled like, anime mangas that have been coming out in recent years. And then, of course, 
uh, SAO picking itself back up with all of the later seasons and the movies and SAO Progressive and stuff like that. So my thoughts have changed over time. Um, so when Log Horizon came out, it came out right at the end of Sora Online Season 1, where everybody was absolutely disgusted by how um, how fanservice-y Sora Online was. Mm-hmm. And that it wasn't the serious anime focused on an MMORPG that people thought it was. I like know exactly, so, I can pinpoint exactly which point that that happened is the funniest thing. You can, you know exactly what point that happened and exactly what year that happened. That happened in 2012. Anyway, <laughs> and right after SAO ended, there was a smaller series that came out with not really great um animation quality as compared to Sword Online because Sword Online was done by A1 Pictures so of course it's going to have great animation and great music with Yuki Kaijira but Log Horizon was a really nice buffer for nerds like me and for people who played MMOs or have been around video games for a long time to look at a piece of media like Log Horizon and say like hey I recognize those because I also play in a similar game that have these mechanics and so when Log Horizon came out I was like harping to all my friends. I'm like, if you hate SAO, go watch that Log Horizon. <laughs> that was me in like the like beginning high school-ish era where I was telling people to go watch Log Horizon. But as the story continued, you know, there was that gap between season one and season two. And then when season two picked up, or more like season three, not season two per-ish, more like season three. When season three picked up, that was when everything derailed because around season two and season three, Log Horizon's animation studio changed mm. to Dean, um, to Studio Dean, which, as we all know, Studio Dean has a questionable quality when it comes to its animation production. Yeah, team. it made Showa, Gunroku, Rakugo Shinju, but it also made some other stuff. So <laughs> yeah, like Showa is fantastic, and then you look at all of the other Dean stuff, like Fate Stay Night. You look at Log Horizon. You're like. These are some very questionable choices. I don't know why they had to switch animation studios. Um, but yeah, Log Horizon Season 3 in particular was really bad because the animation style changes. And as a result of the animation style, the direction also changes. And everything becomes a lot more slow, a lot more sluggish. It doesn't really feel as tightly connected as it was in Season 1 and Season 2. And then not only that, there were a lot of skipping around in terms of content and fleshing it out in Season 3 that really made you feel not caught up to date with Log Horizon as you thought you would be with now three seasons that was out. So over time, I went from Log Horizon is the revitalization of SAO, it is the better SAO, to, oh god, I don't want to watch this. So I guess does that change your mind on the first season then since it's gotten so much worse? Like do you think to yourself, oh maybe it wasn't as good as I remembered it being? Yeah, I think at the time because I was so enamored by the fact that this was a show that had elements that I recognized playing in games, I didn't look at the bigger picture of the fact that the plot progression is actually really oh. slow. They talk way too much in Log oh. Horizon. They talk a lot in Log oh. Horizon. I was expecting they do have quote unquote like raids where it's like um like seasonal timed raid events, which is what all the characters would do. But as you continue progressing through the story, you realize that there's actually less of that and more politics and a lot more talking. And so at that point I was like, 
oh, man, I'm bored now. <laughs> yeah, like I was about to ask, you know, what are they talking? Is it just like, is it like one of those uh, hilarious scenes where someone's fighting? They're like, oh, they did this and they did that. And they like narrate it to you. No, so it's more like guild politics uh. is what happened in Log Horizon between like season one and two. So in season one, is when everybody is like quote unquote isekai'd into this MMO that they mm -hmm. play, yeah. right? Nobody knows how to get back to their original bodies. Nobody knows how to come back to the real world, but they're stuck in this world. So instead of trying to find ways right off the bat to like come back to the real world, they try to find other people around them that are also stuck in the similar situation and try to hook up with people who are part of former guilds because their server in Log Horizon is connected to an actual world server, like in the in the real life. So anybody who is Japanese will have a Japanese server, mm. right? So they try to reach out to other Japanese players around them that they knew either they were friends in real life or they're friends in game and try to form rebuild guilds and parties just so that they can survive together. Because if they go go solo, they're gonna die out there, outside of the the hubs that are um, considered like sanctuaries. So in season one, they talk a lot about politics, about how they're going to hold the guild, how are they going to, you know, govern the area that's supposed to be a quote-unquote sanctuary. Because when you play in a game, you don't really care about the politics. You don't have to run a city by yourself. Right, right. right. But now, because these characters have to do it, they have to understand, how do I run a city? How do I become a politician? How do we generate money to keep all the facilities working? How do we keep all of the crafters, like the carpenters? I'm starting to understand what you mean now. Like, it's almost like yeah. they... They have to put so much time and effort into world building. You're kind of like, where's the actual plot of the story? Is that right? Right. So, yeah. So at that point, like, because they're so focused on logistical survival, it becomes very dull watching the mm. show. Um, and there are, like I said, there are moments where they do fight and that is more invigorating. It is a little bit more refreshing, but it still feels so bogged down with just pure logistics that it doesn't really feel like an MMO anime. And nor does it feel like a survival anime either at that point. Like you look at, for example, if you look at the difference between like Dr. Stone and like Log Horizon, Dr. Stone is like pure survival. But even though there is logistical science behind it, it somehow still makes itself fun to watch or invigorating and actiony to watch. Versus Log Horizon, there's way too much talking and it feels like there's very little that is done, even though it is a quote unquote sort of survival and it's like at the time when you were watching it you were just happy to get an alternative for SAO so yes I was very happy to get an alternative for SAO because at that time I really disliked SAO and I still kind of dislike <laughs> SAO even though I do want to read uh, SAO progressive. I see okay uh so I didn't watch Log Horizon for a reason that will surprise none of you too is I don't play games so anything that is a little more like RPG related or the fact that oh it's reminiscent of a game I'm kind of like eh I don't really care <laughs> so um so that's why i i haven't seen it before but uh you know isabel do you have an opinion on lock horizon at all yeah i actually don't i haven't seen it either um just because one i, I didn't really like sao so the isekai theme is just not for me oh so that's it's, <laughs> okay so in agnes's case it was like she found log horizon because finally there's an alternative for sao and then isabel's case she's yeah. like it seems like sao so no <laughs> <laughs> so no. Although you speaking about Log Horizon reminds me of Devil's Apart Timer that recently came back with a season two and also mm -hmm. kind of had the same types of problems, I feel mm -hmm. like, just ha having that 
years long gap, like almost nine years, I feel like. And then also a studio change on top of that. And then I think the plot, yeah. the plot as well, not really exactly what it was in season one. Yes. Or, you know, the idea is not, not the same anymore. And so yeah. you know, having that gap actually really hurts some of these anime that you might have liked in the past, I feel You know like. what, mm-hmm. Isabel? I'm really glad you pointed that out because this isn't one of my picks because, um, yeah, but this isn't one of my picks. But I do remember seeing older folks on Twitter as in like, you know, they were around when they were teenagers when Devil, uh, Devil's Apartment Timer was first coming out. And they said that the second season made them look back on the first season and realize maybe it wasn't as good as they remembered mm-hmm. it being. So, yeah, I'm glad you pointed it out because that technically fits this topic, even though none of us officially picked it. So, <laughs> yeah, it's very different after the years. And yeah, seeing people come back to it. So, mm hmm. Oh, man. All right. Well, Agnes, since this is uh, one of the ones that you've changed your opinions on, were you able to find a second one? <laughs> I did. I was able to find a second one. It's actually very recent to kind of similar to Isabel's timeline. And mine would be Bungo Straight. <laughs> oh, my gosh. OK, I, I have a feeling I know what yeah. you're talking about. <laughs> OK, I'm glad I it wasn't something that I poached from you because we both agree on this. Before, oh, no, thank um, you. Yeah, no, actually, I didn't even consider it, to be honest. <laughs> Go on. OK, well, I'm, I have high hopes for season four now, so we'll see how this goes. So I've already voiced out in this podcast before that I didn't like Bungo Straight Dogs for a long time. And that was mainly because of the main cast and kind of like the plot feels very sluggish between season one through three. And even in Dead Apple, it feels very sluggish. It has great animation, really great character design, really great voice acting. It just the plot did not stick. Right. And I didn't care so much for the main characters as I should have been. But season four is where the action and the peak actually starts because everything from season one through three is a build-up for season four. So introducing like the Port Mafia, introducing the American people, and then introducing Fjord's like Dead Rats Society, you know, all these different factions that occupied seasons one, two, and three now all play a role in season four, which I think now culminates to the whole experience of what Bungo Stray Dogs really is. And why all these people are so important because in seasons one two and three you don't really feel like there's a continuity between them and you feel like the villains the respective villains in each of those seasons are a little bit lackluster or for for better words or less so that's why my opinions changed when season four started and i was like okay i hope this keeps up because seasons one through three it was a it was quite a slug for me yeah, so I've been talking to Agnes, just like DMing her about this. But I remember, I think I my one of my last messages to you was like, "Oh my god, all these prior seasons in which like not like neither of us to really feel for the plot has been building up to this moment." And so, and it's been really good and insane. So I I'm in agree with it with Agnes on this, though. Admittedly, it doesn't change my opinion on the prior seasons and definitely not the movie because I'm still kind of like I don't remember what happened oh absolutely <laughs> so- yeah that hasn't changed my mind either like seasons one through three I was still feel like yeah it's it feels like filler it feels enjoyable, except Odasaku and Dazai those episodes can stay <laughs> those are important Th- those those are the only ones that matter to yeah, us so- <laughs> um but I think overall my general appreciation for a long-term anime the fact that they built up all these characters for season four 
makes me change my opinion on Bungo Stray Dogs mm. as a whole. Um, it kind of works in a similar w- vein of how like One Piece works, where like there's so many different arcs and so many different people to introduce that you can't slap them in into one season. But you have to methodically break it up and have to wade through the more non-interesting parts to get to the place that you want to be. Arguably, you can also say that, oh, it's not very efficient in terms of like an anime mm-hmm. runtime. Um, but that also depends on what your story's about and how well it's paced overall. Yeah, no, that definitely makes sense. I guess, Isabel, does this make you feel happy? Because I know you're one of the ones who are like, love Bungo Stray Dogs because you love the characters so much. <laughs> yeah, I love the characters too much. Um, so I'm excited. I actually, I'm stuck on, after season two, I'm stuck on Dead Apple. I have not seen that yet. So like, my love for it is like too much in the fact that I won't watch season three without watching the movie first. So the movie's yeah, the movie's on Crunchyroll. I know. I should just watch it, but I'm also like scared that I won't like it. Uh Dead Apple's okay because like nothing really new happens in Dead Apple except that there's like a different villain in Dead Apple. Mm. But otherwise, like the story elements between like season one two don't change with the movie. If that's what you're wondering oh, about. Oh, okay. I thought it would change. Yeah. that's why I was like scared mm, to watch no, season three. Very little. I mean, like very little I don't changes. remember what happens in Dead Apple. <laughs> No, yeah, for sure. When now that season four is out, I'm definitely gonna watch it. And I'm pre- I'm pretty sure my opinion won't change just because I like all the characters since season one. So just hearing you guys talk about that and then also the build up to s- season four, I think it'll be very awesome. Yeah, no, I was thinking you'd probably really enjoy it. Yeah, it's like I don't like Isabel. It's hard to explain to you because it really just does feel like this was the destination that Bugo Straight Dogs have been gunning for this entire time, and so it's like. Every week, I'm like, I, I just, I can't believe that every week I'm DMing Agnes about Bugo Stray Dogs of all things. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm like, why is this the anime that I'm like, oh my god, like this happened, and oh my god, we need to talk about this and stuff like that. And so, and I, I think you do bring up an interesting point though, Agnes, because it's like, you know, there's an argument to be said that maybe they weren't really efficient and getting to this really nice sweet spot of plot and characters considering how long of a build-up it is i mean three seasons in a movie is a very 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 long time so it's as long as attack on titan i mean attack on titan is the same thing too it took them it took them three it well technically took them three seasons to reach the pinnacle of this is an island Uh, and a different country exists outside of this island. That is an excellent yeah. comparison. I didn't even think about that. Oh my gosh, you're right. Huh. I'm, I'm like readjusting my brain now in <laughs> my perspective. <laughs> you're very welcome. Well, it's funny then because that means my critique of both of them actually are the same because I didn't care for Attack on Titan season one and two. And then I, you know, didn't care for Bugle Stray Dogs previous seasons. I mean, I cared because... Like I said, they did do such a good job with the characters that I am invested in the characters, even if I just don't remember the plot whatsoever. But uh, but it's still like, yeah, like it, it really is like just a very long runtime of building up to the ultimate conflict. Huh. Wow. <laughs> Who knew that we would find a similarity between those two because they sound like two completely different animes. So, um, but Agnes, I know why, like, you know, you been, you've been really liking season four and stuff like that. But, you know, for the sake of the 
and listeners here, describe really quickly what is it about season four that has really turned things around for you? <laughs> Wait, do you know the reason? Because I don't know the reason. <laughs> do you not know the reason why you I like just, season I, four? <laughs> I, I just enjoy it. Yeah. I think, okay, let, let's let's actually put some logic into it, right? Because I think you kind of like threw it at me out of nowhere and I was like, no, prepare oh my gosh. for it. Um, I think it's urgency of plot is what makes more sense now and that every single character is now involved in the overall plot of season four and that there is a bigger power that is actually threatening every single person and pinning them down that they can't actually take any action. Season one, two, and three felt kind of like weirdly like, oh, the detective agency will just come up and find ways to like defeat the opponent. No problem. Dazai is, you know, always has a plan. Rampokun's here. And also Fukuzawa is always here to kick someone's ass, right? But then when you go into season four, Dazai is restrained. Um, Rampo is split up from the group. Fukuzawa is also technically split from the group, and the group is now in a very compromising position where they don't know how to protect themselves, and it feels like everyone's turned against them. Is what I think makes it interesting as compared to season one, two, and three. It's kind of like, okay, moving along, moving along. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. Like, I think I I th- I know exactly what you're talking about because season four has been the first time where I'm like, oh, this feels like a threat. This is an actual threat, and I don't know how they're getting right. out of this. So, <laughs> and you're right. In the prior season, you're like, oh, well, you know, Dazai will figure something out, Rampo will figure something out, but for now, you're like, actually, <laughs> I like, I hope they figure something out <laughs> because they're in a lot of trouble right now so and it's like even mm-hmm, if they do yeah. figure something out what are they going to figure out I, I don't know so uh so yes that's exactly it and it's it's really been really incredible so um easy and under uh I understand why you've that's changed your anime opinion <laughs> in regards to the series for sure yeah 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 Alrighty then so in that case that lands on to me so my first one I'm going to talk about is actually not like an anime as a whole but more like a specific character that I've sort of changed my anime opinion on that being said that doesn't mean I don't appreciate it for what it is originally so um my first one I want to talk about is how my opinion towards Akito from Fruits Basket has changed throughout the years uh yes 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 so I think um the two of you like you might find this topic to be familiar or like this conversation to be familiar because I think I just chatted about it once but as a kid growing up when I read Fruits Basket because obviously the anime didn't cover the whole story is I was extraordinarily sympathetic to Akito like extremely extremely so I you know uh, I hoped Toru would befriend her I wanted people to forgive her I wanted her to be able to start her life over again and it was just this very intense and like genuine sense of sympathy that I felt for her where I was like she deserves everything and I want her to be happy but that has changed throughout the years as I have gotten older and I think a main reason why is that unfortunately I have had experience of friends who have been victims of abuse which you know they are the Zodiac members um, and they had an Akito in their life and seeing it so um What's the right word? I guess seeing it so real and genuine and I don't know, like when it's your friend and someone you love, like actually getting hurt by another person, 
it suddenly doesn't really matter if that abuser has had a really bad life. And to be completely honest with you guys, a lot of my friends' abusive relationships, they're, um, you know, whether it's their parents or whether it's their uh, partner or boyfriend or girlfriend, they actually, every single one of them have had extremely hard lives without question. Uh, I'll even say, you know, one of my teachers in high school who I later got close to and she actually told me she was an abused woman, um, her first husband was abusive towards her, was that her first husband was abused by his own dad growing up. So it's it's without question that a lot of these abusers are victims of abuse themselves. But having someone you love be the one who gets abused, you suddenly just lose that sympathy where you're just like, I know your heart, your life was hard, but you know, it doesn't excuse you for the terrible things you've done to other people. And so, and that's largely why Akito, my opinion towards Akito has changed so much from a kid who really sympathized with her and just wanted her to have the world to, you know, thinking about it now and rewatching the show and being like, no, she, she doesn't deserve forgiveness. <laughs> like she, like she's, she, um, you know, screwed up people's lives. She was physical, emotional, mental, verbal, like all types of abusive things. And it really doesn't matter that she also had a really bad life because she turned it on other people and she hurt other people. And she felt like she has a reason and an excuse to hurt other people. And my sympathy for her has just dropped significantly. That being said, I understand why Fruits Basket ended it on such a positive, uplifting note of specifically having most of the Zodiac members uh, forgive her because I do think there is importance in this regard. For example, um, one of my friends who I you know, got really close to in college, she was one of the ones who grew up in an abusive uh, situation with family. And specifically, um, when the night that she confessed that to me, I had, instead of telling her, you know, she should hate her parents or her parents are the worst or like, you know, like she should just drop her parents or anything like that. Instead, I told her that, you know, if she, you know, however she feels about her parents and what they did to her, it's up to her. It's not for me to decide. And instead, I thought it was more important to tell her that, hey, everything that's happened up until this point, including whether you still love your parents or not, you know, or if you're still trying to decide whether you love your parents, like that's not your fault. And that is your power and your freedom to choose those kinds of things. And that mindset I told her in, you know, I hadn't even thought about Fruits Basket for years, but then uh, uh, like I think a few years after that, that's when the Fruits Basket remake was announced. And I realized that, you know, I probably wouldn't have had that mindset really to be kind and empathetic to her and tell her that, you know, it really doesn't matter on whether she does forgive or she doesn't forgive her parents, whether she still loves them or she doesn't love them. And that's most important to know that she's not at fault for everything. Like I, I probably wouldn't have been able to come to that conclusion if it wasn't for the fact that Fruits Basket very much did show like hey, ultimately, if the victims, you know, decide that they want to forgive their abuser, then, you know, they forgive them and you sh and it is what it is sort of situation. So I see the power and the importance in making Akito be forgiven in Fruits Basket. But my opinion towards her, regardless, has changed throughout the years as I've experienced life and seen other people experience things. So that is my first anime opinion that I've changed on. And I'm actually kind of curious to hear if any of you two have changed your opinions on Akito as you got older, because I know both of you two watched and read Fruits Basket. So uh, my opinions of Akito didn't change 
only because like I didn't know anything about Akito when we watched the original first oh, game, so I was kind of okay. like whatever impression the final season gave to me was kind of like it for me. Um, but I'm more surprised at the fact that the majority of people that watched Fruits Basket from its early conception to now have the reverse um, ideology as compared to you did, where they hated Akito at the very beginning because they hate the fact that she abused them. And then all the way to the end, you have more people who are a lot more sympathetic towards her or at least understanding of her plights. Versus for you, you started the opposite. You sympathized her a lot. And then as you grew older, you realized that there is a power to be given to the person who is the victim. And the victim can choose whether or not they want to forgive or they want to continue resenting. And it goes back to our old uh, Girl Talk podcast about bullying. Of is it okay? Or of one of the, the, it was a moral question that I had with a silent voice. And I said, is it is it right to forgive somebody or is it more just to resent that person at the very end? And the reality is, as you pointed out, it's up to the person, the the victim to decide what they want to do because ultimately they have the freedom and whatever they choose, that is what they're going to move on with in the future. And that hopefully it's not going to continue to bring them grief, right? So I thought that was just really interesting how your mindset has really changed over the years with Fruits Basket, but it's like the diametric opposite to those who had started out with Fruits Yeah, Basket. you're right, though. I do remember like on Twitter like or on other just groups where they're like, you know, I used to hate Akito, but like now I sympathize with her. And I'm like, I'm kind of the opposite of you guys. I'm going the other way around. So um, you're right. I've, I've kind of gone opposite. But yeah, sorry, I interrupted you, Agnes. <laughs> No, no, no. That's just something that I wanted to point out. But otherwise, I think it's a very interesting and a very astute um, uh, observation that you made over the years. And then that's the the opinion that you're standing on now, too. What do you think, Isabel? Yeah, for me, um, my opinion hasn't changed from the older anime. Then again, you know, like you said, we didn't really know too much about Akido. But even then, I kind of hated her as a character. Um, just the way that you know she treated the other people and the trauma that seemed like or the trauma that the other Soma, the Soma family members endured under her. And I think even though we get more of a backstory, obviously, with, with the final season and the remake, um, I think that's still, like you said, um, Gracie doesn't really excuse her actions from before. And I find it hard for me to, you know, be like, be sympathetic towards her and her actions and things like that. Um, but yeah, so I think my opinion overall hasn't changed just because my, my initial impression was that. And then I think, yeah, based off of that, it hasn't, like, I wouldn't really name her as, as a character that I actually liked overall. Yeah, so Isabel, you you were basically like, I didn't like her back then and I still don't like her now, so. Yep, pretty much that. Mm -hmm. How do you feel about Shigure's relationship with her? So that's an interesting question because I actually still don't mind Shigeru's relationship with her, even though my opinion mm -hmm. on Akito has changed. I think it's because of the fact that, uh, well, first of all, I, I did really like them as a kid from the manga itself, but, but in regards to even now as an older adult, I think something that I look at is the fact that 
like this is hard to explain in all honesty, but Shiguri, he doesn't, well, first of all, she tries to abuse him and it doesn't work because he essentially, it glances off of him or he straight up throws it back in her face. It's the difference between an abuse, it's the difference between a toxic relationship and an abusive relationship, I think is the perfect way to say it. Um, An abusive, so I, and I wrote about this in one of my articles, is that not all toxic relationships are actually abusive. Abusive specifically happens when one person towards another one starts inflicting actual harm, whether it's emotional, physical, or um, verbal harm, but physical mm-hmm. tends to be like the furthest as in like the worst part of it. Cause that's reached a level that almost like very rarely relationships will reach. And so, but Akito is physically abusive without question. She is physically abusive towards a lot of people. Um, but she is incapable of inflicting that abuse on Shigure. And instead they're both very toxic towards each other instead. And so that kind of levels the power balance field. And so, and I will say this is I do, I don't mind toxic relationships in regards to fictional stories. I, and I will say that again, I don't mind toxic relationships in fictional stories, not real life. I am not okay with them in real life, but in fictional stories, I think they can be really fascinating because they really reveal like another part of humanity and specifically the human uh, the human emotions and relationships in regards to that. And so that's why ultimately I didn't really mind Shigure and Akito because at the end of the day, this was a rare case where she actually can't really abuse him and he doesn't he, he doesn't abuse her it's just they're both very toxic towards each other in a large part because of the curse causing them both a lot of grief so that's why my my opinion about those two as a relationship hasn't changed does that make sense <laughs> oh yeah okay yeah i got it i think that makes sense okay mm-hmm. perfect uh, but yeah, so that's all I got for, or all I got, I talked for 10 minutes. <laughs> that's all I got for uh, Akito. So my next one that I'm going to uh, talk about in regards to my anime opinion changing is also a recent one. I like how we're both, we're all, all three of us chose recent ones. But um, it is for Sudorne, which the second season is currently airing. Do you guys know about Sudorne? Vaguely. I only know it through your screen. Okay, honestly. well, the handsome men, Yes. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's the same for me for a second season because I haven't started, <laughs> but I did I did watch this first season and I really liked it. So I'm curious on how your opinion changed. So I didn't care for the first season is the thing. I, I didn't dislike it. Uh, I, I want to preface this by saying I didn't dislike it, but I didn't like it either. I felt like there were some really nice high points, but then at the end of the day, I thought it was so generic that it just doesn't do it for me. On top of the fact that, you know, yes, Kill Annie is beautiful, you know, but I want story and characters, and I didn't feel like I really got the best of it in regards to the first season. However, I love the second season in a way that I didn't expect to. Like, I'll, I'll let me tell you guys, I wasn't even going to watch the second season because of how little of an impact the first season made on me. And I only finally decided to watch it because I was like, I want to look at a beautiful anime, <laughs> you know? And mm-hmm. aside from Vinland Saga, that's looking very beautiful, and Bugo Stray Dogs, I felt like there there wasn't any guarantee that the others would be beautiful. So I was like, you know what? I will watch Sudane uh, season two simply because I, I just want to see a very beautiful, aesthetically pleasing, beautiful anime, even though I actually just didn't care about the characters or the plot at all. However... 
I was blown away by this season so far, and I actually adore it. Absolutely adore it. I think something is just so magical about the second season in regards to character progression, their development, their relationships with each other. Everything has just been hitting the right notes for me. And that has really forced me to go back and look at the first season in the same way, Agnes, that Boogle Stray Dogs have kind of made you reassess the first three seasons and understanding like what happened there and why it happened there. And so um, and so that's why my opinion of Sudane has changed. I do think the first season is better than I gave it credit for. One thing I would like to know is that you know, we've mentioned this before in our anime adaptations episode, but Kyo Annie has never been shy to change from the source material or deviate from it. They did it for, um, you know, they did it for Miss Kobayashi's Maid Dragon in a way that, you know, Jack had praised and praised and praised because he said the manga just does not do the anime justice of all things. Um, and I and Kyo Annie has, you know, once again, they're not scared to, to make changes for their adaptations. And I've done a little research and I do have to say that the first season has significantly enhanced the uh, story from the light novel series. The first thing that they really changed in um, from the light novel series is the light novel series kind of has like it, it's very um, it's not like explicitly BL, but it's like sexual tension, queer coding very heavily in the light novel series. But the glove triangle is between the main character and his teacher, Masa-san, and, um, and Shu, his childhood friend. And so Kyoto Animation completely changed that and basically made the relationship between Minato, the main character, and Masa-san, the teacher, a lot more teacher and student instead, and instead have shifted the relationship dynamics completely. And due to that shift in relationship dynamic, they had to do some reshuffling of a lot of things, including character other characters' relationships with each other. And I think that the way that they've changed it was masterfully done and done in a way that highlighted and elevated the story rather than drag it down in, you know, in what I think can be very problematic elements. And it really puts more focus on Minato and his archery instead to be an actual, or Kyudo to be more specific, sorry, because Japanese archery is different from usual archery. So it made Minato's devotion and passion for Kyudo feel like more of his own rather than specifically a passion that is tied to his teacher that he kind of has like romantic feelings towards. And I think that makes Minato a stronger protagonist as well and really hones in on the whole Kyoto focus more in a better way. Once again, minusing the problematic elements. So once I've seen that and really looked back at the first season with how much I love the second season, I have a greater appreciation for it. I still think there are flaws with the first season. I don't change my mind in that regard, but I do like it more than when I had last remembered it. So that is the second anime opinion that I've changed my mind on. And, you know, you've seen the first season, uh, Isabel. So I guess, were you surprised or, you know, like, did you know about those light, uh, those changes from the light novels? Yeah, I did not know about those changes in a light novel because... Now that you mentioned it, I like when I watched it, I did not like I did not sense any type of tension whatsoever. If anything, it looked like Minato admired um, his teacher's you know abilities and uh, you know his his archery overall. Mm-hmm. So I didn't. So it's amazing that that change 
was not detectable. And um, yeah, I don't know what to expect in the second season. But I, ever since the first season ended, though, I just thought it wasn't, it didn't need a second season. Like, I thought the way that they completed the first season did feel like it was complete in itself. So I was very surprised when they actually announced the second season, they're continuing the story. I don't know how I feel about that, actually. Did you think that there was going to be a second season or did you just kind of, you know, drop it? I feel like you might have just been like, okay, Tsurune was, was whatever it was and then I'm going to move on from it. And you only went back to it just to, like, you know, check it out. So That's exactly it. I, I thought that was the only season and I didn't need any more. And I was like, well, that was thoroughly mediocre, <laughs> in my opinion, at the end. Aside mm-hmm. from the fact that it still looked beautiful, I, I won't, you know, take back on that. And so, yes, that's why when the second season was announced, I really had no intention of watching it. I genuinely only decided to because I was like, I really would like to have an aesthetically pleasing anime, even if the uh, characters and story didn't matter. And I got all three of them. It was the best surprise ever. <laughs> and I'm not complaining. So, um, so yes, that's exactly it. And, um, but yes, it is amazing how seamless they made the changes feel because it was, it's very sexual tension heavy in the light novel series between Minato and Masasan. And it, it's just not there. It, it's just not there in the, in the anime at all. And I really appreciate that. And, a lot of the other things. So I do think you should watch the second season, Isabel. In all honesty, I actually think it's better than the first season. So that's great to hear. I'm so happy to hear that it's definitely better. So I will be checking that out. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So I guess, Agnes, do you have anything, any questions? I know you probably didn't watch it. So <laughs> I, I did not watch it. Okay. No <laughs> Sounds good. Alrighty then, so I think that sums up our anime opinions that we've changed our minds on for this week. So thank you guys so much for listening. And um, we will be back next week with another fun topic. So I will see you guys all here next time. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.